A month on purity wouldn't be uh, full if we didn't talk about uh, sex as part of that. The idea of what God created it for and why he wants us to enter into it in a marriage relationship. And uh, that's what we're going to do this morning. So we all know that sex isn't a sin. It's just not a sin. It's something that God created, that God created for a good reason, for good purpose, and also uh, to give us pleasure as well. But everything that we do, we need to value in the eyes of God as Christians. And we're just going to talk through that this morning. Where It's not a, a condemning message. This is a message that will, that will hopefully put things into perspective for you. Well, why? Why? Why shouldn't I engage in sex before marriage? What is it that God doesn't want me to do that for? Is it because he's a party pooper? Is it because he just doesn't want me to have fun? Or is there actually more reason and more depth to the things that God says? And hopefully this morning, after we've finished, there will be a greater understanding of of what God wants us to do and how he wants us to honour that relationship. So let's pray. Father God, I just thank you this morning that you indeed are a good God. And Lord, you want us to have a full life, Father God, one that honours you, but also one that, that is open to your blessing. Lord, this morning I just pray that you just move by your Holy Spirit. Father, you would settle your word in our hearts, Father God, this morning so that we can honour you more in our everyday life. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so just to reiterate for those who may be new Christians or maybe you, you don't know, God has ordained sex as part of marriage. And the Christian viewpoint is that before a man and woman should engage in such activity, that they should be married, that they should have made a commitment to one another before the Lord to one another. And it was interesting uh, when I heard Wendy talking this morning and she brought out that word covenant, that there's such a depth to a covenant that includes so many things, but it's not just um, an act or something that we take lightly, but a serious commitment that people make to one another. And obviously with the world around us, the way things are, it's, it's pretty obvious and it has been from the beginning. Don't, don't think that we're any different in this age from any other. It's always been something that um, I guess as believers in God that people have struggled with. And certainly the world in large, it's pretty common that it's just a relationship that people enter into uh, without much thought really and without really taking into consideration the consequences of it in the eyes of God. And, and it is all around us. It's a drive that God gave man and woman. There's no doubt about that. It's something that we have inside of us that God gave. It's a God-given thing. And even from the beginning in the creation of the world, God created Adam and Eve and he brought them together. And one man, one woman, he brought them together. And in Genesis 2, it talks about how this is why it says that a man shall leave his mother and father and he shall be joined to his wife and the two shall become one. There is a joining not just of body, as we'll see later on, but there's a, there's a spiritual joining, there's an emotional joining. And it's such a, an amazing gift from God that we have to seal a relationship that God has given us? Is it an unforgivable sin if maybe there's some here today that have 
engage in sex before marriage and maybe you did it out of ignorance, maybe you just got sucked into it, maybe the world got to you, maybe just because you've been watching everything and you thought, oh, well, just everyone does it. Why shouldn't I do it? Why shouldn't I do it? What's this about? You know, is, is God letting them have all the fun and not me? That's not it at all. It's the value that God actually puts on it that we're going to start to look at. So it's not an unforgivable sin. You can be restored from, from it. But it is different. It's a different type of sin, as we'll look at later on as well. So firstly, God invented it. We know it's God's invention. He made it for reproduction, but also to be enjoyed. That's what God did. He gave it to us for two purposes. Like obviously he said to Adam and Eve, go forth and multiply and subdue the earth. Uh, Even with animal kingdom, it said that, you know, they are to multiply and fill the earth, that we would all produce seed after our own kind. So we have babies. But God also made it an enjoyable thing. And that is obvious because it's one of those things that probably above everything else we could get sidetracked into that would break our relationship with God because it is such a strong desire in a man and woman to enter into such a relationship. Romans 13.3 says this, Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarrelling and jealousy. So we can see quite clearly from this verse that it's not what God wants. It's not what God intended that we should live sexually promiscuous. It is not something that God wants. So why doesn't he want it? We've already looked back at, at the beginning when God made Adam and Eve. The two were joined together and became one flesh. Jesus repeats this himself. Uh, we see in Mark chapter 10, verse 6 to 8, But God made them male and female from the beginning of creation. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but they are one. You see, this relationship is so special that it should be the two becoming one. And the problem with promiscuity is that you get many trying to become one. There starts to become confusion because when a man and woman join in that act, they literally become one flesh, the Bible says. They become one flesh. And even in Ephesians 5, it's, it's elevated to a really high plane. In Ephesians 5, Paul talks about it as being likened to the mystery of Christ and the church. Christ and the church. That's the sort of relationship it is. And if you think about that relationship between Christ and the church, how powerful is that? This is someone who gave his life for the church someone who made promises to the church to to look after, keep, and in fact protect. And and he says even that the church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's how much is invested in that relationship. We are united by one spirit together in that relationship. 
We are united with Christ and we are united with each other. And this is going to become really important as we start to look at that a little bit further on. Sex is the most intimate act that a person could ever take part in. So when we look at this relationship, we have to really take a good look at the value that we place on it or that others place on it. What is the value of that act? When we look at human beings, they are the only animals, inverted commas, that have sex face to face. Because God designed it as a uniting of a man and woman that you are directly looking into the face of the one that you are making covenant with. That is how intimate it is. In that act, there's everything that's exposed. Your emotions become exposed. Your physical body becomes exposed. And emotionally, you start to bond to someone else. In fact, just research from science shows that the first person that you ever have sex with, there's such a release of chemical in a woman that it makes her desire that person, desire that man. There is a desire that comes because of the chemical release. And every time after that, if it's with other partners or whatever, there's less of that release. But that first time, there's a bond that is made. This is just the truth. And the thing is that if we are going to give ourselves to someone in an intimate way, don't you think that we should choose really, really wisely? If we are going to join ourselves body to body, spirit to spirit, don't you think that we ought to think about what we're doing and take it really, really seriously? Because there is no higher place that a human can enter into a relationship with another than in that act. It's just the way it is. It's the way God designed it. And we know that he made it for, for within marriage. Why? Because, gosh, you two are meant to be one when you get married. It's the sealing of a covenant that you make to one another. And again, we'll just look at that a little bit further on. Hebrews 13.4. So Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4 says this, Give honour to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are moral and those who commit adultery. God said this is reserved for marriage. This is reserved for you and your partner. This is reserved even from the beginning back in Genesis. Why it is said that a man will leave his father and his mother, he shall join with his wife, and the two shall become one. And can I just say this to anyone who may have had a problem in the past with some sexual sin or, or maybe even abuse. God made sex for the marriage. It is something that he gave, and, and in Ephesians it talk about how we belong to each other, that the wife's body belongs to the husband, the husband's to the wife's, and that doesn't mean it's to be abused or taken advantage of. What it means is that we are now able to enjoy each other. And there might be things in your past that 
that sort of hang on and, and you take into marriage sometimes. And this is a place the enemy can really run riot and destroy something that God made that's intended for marriage, that is intended for joy, and he can start to rob you of that. So I just want to just say, enjoy it. If the enemy is trying to take and steal that joy from your marriage, then you need to start to rise up, start to come against that, pray against it, pray against the fear, and let God's love overwhelm you so that you can start to enjoy what he's given you. Let's go back to the covenant relationship. If we think of it as a really highly valued thing, as a sealing of a covenant, when we look back in the Old Testament, when two people got married, if there was any ever thought of, you know, when I got married to that woman, she wasn't a virgin. There were heavy consequences. However, there was always proof that the, the, the mum and dad of the woman would take the marriage bed sheets from the marriage night and take them away so that they could prove later on if there's any accusation that, yes, that person was a virgin. The reason that it's so big a deal is because in that there is a covenant made. A man and woman will stand up here at the altar. They will promise themselves to each other. They will enter into that covenant relationship. What does the man say? What does the woman say? Some of the most common vows. I will love you in sickness and health, poverty, riches, good times, bad times, till death do us part. They come up and they promise those things to each other. They take the rings, they, they exchange rings to say, yes, you belong to me and I belong to you. The ring signifying an eternal love that never ends because a circle never ends. And then that night should be a celebration of that love where the covenant is sealed with each other, where the two become one flesh. What a joy. What a joy to be able to enter into that relationship with one other person. What a joy. What a pleasure to be obedient to God in that. And can I just say that just because someone says they love you doesn't give them rights to your body. Just because someone says, if you do it with me, it shows that you love me, doesn't give them rights to your body. Do you know that men will say or do anything to get a woman into bed? Seriously? Not all men. But it's a selfish thing. It's a, it's a I want you... I have this feeling it needs to be quenched and if you're holding out on me, you don't love me. Manipulation, which is as witchcraft. It's horrible. It's deceitful. It's a lie. They do not have the right to your body. And honestly, just from talking to guys... I know what they say about women. And many times they really are after one thing. And maybe they'll get others with that. And what about a woman? 
I've seen so many times that they will just give anything to trap a man. They will see someone they want and they will, they will offer up themselves in order to trap a man. I mean, we all know and we've seen before that sometimes they even go to the extent of becoming pregnant and having a child so that, that they can keep that guy. I need him, I want him, but I'm not sure if he's committed. But maybe if, maybe if I give myself to him, then he will love me. Can you see again how wrong that is? That's not love. That's manipulation. And it's not godly. The Bible says very clearly, if you enter into a casual sexual relationship lifestyle, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Does that mean that you're not saved? Probably not. Don't know. If you start to make it a lifestyle where you start to come under it and you start to reject God, maybe. Just be careful. But what is the kingdom of God? It's peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And you see, we cannot enter into sin without forfeiting something. There's always a price to sin. The Bible says clearly God is not mocked. He cannot be made a fool of. Whatever a man sows, that shall he reap. If he sows to the flesh, he'll of the flesh reap corruption. If he sows to the Spirit, he'll reap life. If we make that choice to sow into the Spirit, then life will come. And I say it again. There's always a price. If you say yes to something, you have to say no to something. If you say yes to disobedience to what God wants, and it's not not because he's a party pooper. He just wants the best for you. And he knows what it was designed for. He knows that that it is such a pleasure and a beautiful thing that he's created for a good reason. And he wants you to be blessed in that. He wants a blessing to come. We'll just read through now 1 Corinthians 6. If you can go there. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 to 20. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 to 20. Don't you realise that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that. But you are cleansed, you are made holy, you are made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true. Though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord 
And the Lord cares about our bodies and God will raise us up from the dead by his power just as he raised up our Lord Jesus from the dead. Don't you realise that your body is actually part of Christ? Should a man take his body which is part of Christ and join it to a prostitute? Never. Don't you realise that if a man joins himself to a prostitute he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say the two are united into one but the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. But from sexual sin, <coughs> excuse me, run from sexual sin. No other sin as clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Thank you, Brianna. Just some notes in here that we need to think about as Christians. We are meant to be different. And the Bible clearly says that we're not to judge those who aren't Christians that indulge in these things. It's up for him to judge them. Because we do live in this world and we can't escape those things. And they are not. They seriously are not held to the standards that we are. Because we are meant to have Christ within us. So our points here, number one, you belong to Christ. In fact, you're actually part of Christ's body. This is really important to understand. If you first of all hold on to that truth, number one, (coughs) you belong to Christ. I might need some more, Amy. And this isn't just in this area. (coughs) It's every area of our life. If we don't submit ourselves to him, We're out of order because you belong to Christ. And at the end of that passage we just read, it said he paid a high price for you. You are no longer your own, but you are Christ. You've been bought with a price. Number two, we are joined in spirit with Christ. Number three, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Number four, you need to honour God with your body. And this is what it really boils down to. How am I honouring God with this body? If he's asked me not to enter into these things, why do I do it? If I belong to him and I don't honour him in that. And how do we cope with it? Because it is always going to be a problem. Seriously. There's such a strong desire in men and women because it's such a pleasurable thing. (laughs) But we want to make sure that it is sanctified, it's holy, it's under what God wants. (coughs) It's where he wants it. And how do we deal with it? Do we fast and pray? Guys who aren't married and you're going out with someone or in the future you might, do you fast and pray and, and enter into the situation? No. 
just say, well, I'm just going to be strong and resist temptation. No matter what, I'll resist. I'm going to walk into a situation where it's possible and I'm feeling like it and I'm just going to resist. I'm just going to build my faith up by, by resisting it. No. The Bible says to flee. <laughs> Run away as if in terror. It's not just sex, but sexual immorality. Run away. You see, there's some things that you just cannot fight. The urges can become so strong that you might just fall into it. You might accidentally, inverted commas, end up dishonouring God by what you do. And that is such good advice. (coughs) Get away. Don't get yourselves in situations. that make it likely or possible. Now, sexual sin isn't worse than any other. It is special because the Bible says it's the only sin against our own body. You see, when you do it, it harms the body of Christ because we're all joined together. And it's against your body, it's against the body of Christ, which is the church. And that's serious. That is really quite serious. It's unique because it doesn't just affect us physically but also spiritually and morally. And we need to recognise it. We need to not put ourselves in situations where it's possible. I'm just going to give you a few points in a minute of how you can actually avoid it if you're not married yet. How you can avoid getting into those situations until that day when you make that covenant with a person and say, yes, you're the one. But I just want to show a video first, (laughs) if it works. You know how you set them up and... I think I pressed the right button. Can we turn the lights off? Is that right? It's hard to see. Thank you. And Hi, just uh, was going to do a demonstration at the school, but felt like it just might be a little bit dangerous, and without Neil Leake's permission and uh, maybe the fire brigade on hand, I thought it might be better just to videotape this. Just want you kids to know that um, it's just really important in thinking about things like sex, about Kindling the fires of passion and, and just a little demonstration to show what that might right. be like. I'm back now, as you can see, I've got a bit of protective gear on. Uh, this demonstration is to basically just let you kids know that there's such a danger in kindling the fires. So I'm just going to light this bit of paper. As you can see, it takes hold quickly. But, hey, I can put that out. What if I leave it for a bit longer? (laughs) 
Okay, let's try and put that one here. Oh no! Now that deserves a nomination, don't you think? <laughs> so thanks to Brianna, and we had some background effects there. I think my wife, that might have been my wife. <laughs> now the whole idea of that is I was actually going to do that here, and I really thought, probably not a good idea. It would have been fun that way, right? don't you reckon? It would have been all right, but Neil's here, and it's not our building. If it was ours, maybe we could burn it down. <clears throat> that might be all right. But the point of that demonstration is this, that we can kindle the passion, guys. We can put ourselves in situations that increase that desire to have sexual intimacy, all right? And, and in fact, Ephesians says that if there's two single people and, and they just can't contain themselves, they should get married. They should get married rather than burn with passion, for one another, okay? As you saw in that first little bit, I could blow that fire out. It wasn't too bad. But when I let it go on a bit longer, I just couldn't do it. It had taken control and it started to consume. And that's exactly what it's like with physical passion for us. As a Christian, you need to make sure you don't put yourself in a situation that starts to fan those flames. What does that mean? Don't enter into physical touching and things like that that start to make you feel more like wanting to have sex. Basically, that's it. Because what can happen is if you stoke the fire, it can get to such a stage that you just cannot say no. Or it's really, really hard. Because you have put yourself into such a state that your body chemically and physically just wants something. And we don't want to do that. How do, we, how do we then as Christians make sure we don't get into those situations? Number one, and I believe this is probably the most important decision that you'll ever make, live for Christ. Live for Christ because that will protect you in almost Every situation, well, it will in every situation. If you put him as your number one thing and you say, God, I'm going to live for you, I understand that this body and who I am belongs to you, that will direct every decision that you make so you will not enter into danger. You will straight away see this is not good. This is not what God wants. And if you can firstly make that real in your life, because if you just make a decision, I'm not going to have sex, but I'm not going to put God first, good luck to you. Good luck to you. Because you have no one to rule over you. You have no Holy Spirit activated in your life to warn you of danger. But if you say, God, I'm going to live for you, help me. Can you speak to me through your Holy Spirit? Your life will change and adults, that's for us too. <laughs> Don't segment God. You say, I'm living for you, God. 
in every area of your life. Number two, don't be quick to get into a relationship. It's so easy nowadays to just jump into a relationship. You can go to a party and all of a, minute, all of a sudden you're in the corner having a snog or whatever. <laughs> it happens, guys. This is real. And maybe even further. Where you don't really guard who you are and you just let yourself out to anybody. Number three, be aware that the desire is very strong. It's not to be played with. It's not a toy. It's a strong desire and it's hard to overcome if you fan those flames, if you let it burn, if you let it take control. Just going back to be not being quick to get into a relationship. Listen, when God's got someone for you, when it's the right time, God will bring that person along. Don't panic. Don't think I'm going to miss out. What if Jesus comes back before I do the deed? Things like that. They are thoughts I had when I was young. You know, what if I never get married and I never get to have sex? <laughs> That's honesty. But it was something I thought because I didn't want to dishonor God. Sorry, Michaela, embarrassing you. <laughs> I didn't want to dishonor God. And, and there's sometimes those pressures. What if I miss out? You're not going to miss out on anything. In fact, the longer you, well, not necessarily longer, <laughs> But when you wait the right time for that right person that God gives you in your life and you both come into that marriage relationship where you can just say, hey, this is my covenant to you and they can say, this is my covenant to you, how rich, how rich that is. Number four, don't fan the flames. How far can I go? Listen, if you've got to ask that question, am I going too far, stop right there. Stop right there. Don't go any further. There's a couple of bits of advice I heard just listening. I think it was to the radio and I was like, hmm, interesting. Number one, what they said was, don't do anything that you wouldn't do in front of her father. <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> Would that tone it down a bit? I think so. <laughs> and the other one was, think of this, in regard to cheating on your husband or wife. Do you know you don't belong to anyone until you're married? And if you have those relationships before you're married, you're basically cheating on the person that you are going to end up with. What would they feel? The person that you actually eventually end up marrying. What you do with your body, which is going to be joined to their body where God says the two become one. What's acceptable to them? Interesting thoughts. Dating groups. When you do find someone, make sure you don't get isolated. Um, <laughs> I heard one story, a pastor was saying, a young couple came and they said, please pray for us. We're finding it really hard not to do it. We, we hired a motel room and we were there all night together in the same bed. He's like, what the? <laughs> no, you don't need prayer to fight temptation. You need to not book a hotel room. <laughs> You're just entering into a danger zone. Don't do it. And if you can make sure that you don't enter into that danger zone, you don't give place to the enemy, you're dating groups. You don't spend hours by yourselves in a house without your mother and father around late at night where things can happen and you might make 
something, a regret something that you do. Okay. Now, all that's nothing to do with the other problems that can occur if you think about it. Sexually transmitted diseases, emotional damage, unplanned pregnancies. That can all happen if you enter into that relationship in an ungodly way. The safest sex you can ever have is just with your marriage partner. That's safe. And that's safe because God sanctifies it. God blesses it and he says that's where this is meant to take place. Maybe you've already done it. Maybe you've had sex with someone and you're not married. Can I just tell you right now, God can restore. All it takes is a heart that says, I'm sorry. Genuine sorriness. I'm sorry, God. Please, can you restore me? Please, can you make me whole again? And from this day on, I'm going to live for you. And I'm going to purify myself. I'm going to say, God, I'm not not going to do that anymore. It's not unforgivable. It's not the unforgivable sin. And God can change things. But there is no blessing outside of God. There isn't. takes a decision to turn around and walk God's way because God's way is always the best.